0: Hi, welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Earhart. And today we have the full team with us. We have Joey Brandon, Devin Dash, and Steve Sullivan. What a treat, man, I'm excited. But we're gonna be talking about Legoland today. Devin took his son recently on a trip there, had a great experience. And so we're gonna lean on Devin very heavily to tell us about that experience and, and tell us just some of the things you learned, some takeaways from visiting Legoland and the research you've done. So kick us off, let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, I'll just say before I do that, it was nice because it was a vacation, but I back
2: invoiced and
1: reimbursed the, the expense because I learned so much about business <laughs> at Legoland.
2: No, so We're starting our new theme park division of Axiom. <laughs> is that is what I'm hearing?
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, we've been talking about theme parks a lot. We, and, have, we uh, have. Steve, you want to
2: go to Universal this week? I do. We're going. <laughs> Let's, Let's <do> go.
1: <laughs> but I, no, I, I'm excited to, to talk about this because I'm excited about a lot of things in life. You're um, but, a very excitable
2: person.
1: <laughs> am, am. But I, I liked Legoland a lot and, and especially just reflecting on that experience and planning for it because yes, we've been talking a lot about theme parks, but I'm realizing how great of a place that they are to view business activities happen at a very high volume, right? And so that's kind of like the first lesson from Legoland for any business owner is be a lifelong learner and... Part of that means getting out of your comfort zone and going to evaluate other businesses in other contexts. And I would say, especially theme parks, because you get the opportunity to view customer interactions in in business activities happening at a very high volume at a very high rate. So you can see a really great interaction, bad interaction, a mediocre one, and you can just see that over and over and over again. That's a good
2: point. We're, we were talking about yesterday, we just did a, a client event and we're encouraging our clients and, and people who had come to the event to go back and get information from their frontline employees. Right. Like, and when, at one point when I was talking, I was like, we really don't care what you think, right? Like your perspective as the business owner is not the one that matters. And, I think you're kind of driving at the same thing but it's from a different perspective. This is let's so let's say you are a business owner listening to this and you're like I want I want that frontline perspective. And what Devin's talking about is kind of like benchmarking yourself against other other businesses even in different industries. These are you know there's a word for it called benchmarking where you're trying to take lessons away from other businesses. And I, it's interesting you I hadn't thought of it this way, but yeah, a theme park could allow somebody who who runs a pretty big business to be a frontline customer like 200 times in a day or right? like every ride you're the frontline customer experience you know there's a transaction that's happening there's not just the transaction at the ticket gate it's nope. the concessions it's the ride attendants it's the people who are helping out it's anybody you're asking for assistance or people who are offering you stuff and you're not asking for assistance right you're a recipient of that too so it is a neat little petri dish to to see what what is this business doing that I can take it away, take away from? If you are a theme park employee listening to this
1: <laughs> and you want to make a great impression on your boss, <laughs> go ask him if you can just conduct customer surveys and conversational get conversational feedback with the guests waiting in line. Right? How can we make this experience better? Oh, right. Cuz think
2: about like so we are starting a theme park division.
1: Definitely <laughs> done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think it was just a Next time I go to a theme park, I'm probably going to evaluate it with a totally different perspective, so. All
0: right, so you went there, I think it was a couple of months ago now, you took your son, Joel. Mm-hmm. Tell us, when you walked in, how was that initial impression? Just, you know, you walked through the gate. I don't know, I've never been to Legoland, so you're gonna have to explain. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming there's a gate that you walk through. But t- tell us about that. What was the interactions that you were experiencing and the sights you were seeing and how did that add to the experience?
1: Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, they do a really great job branding. Uh, Lego is a very strong brand. One of the strongest toy brands, I think, in the last 100 years or so. I think they just celebrated their 90th anniversary. But yeah, they they really know how to do that well. So you you pull right into even getting into the parking lot to park your car. Everything's well-themed. And I think most theme parks rock this. But you are walking into the park. And one of the cool things about Legoland is you know, similar to like Universal is they have different hotels actually on premises. And so you have these huge buildings that have giant Lego figurines. So for an adult who played with Legos, it's fun. You said who plays with Legos? Plays. Oh, I do. I do play with Legos, (laughs) but I have kids. So I play with them now and I played with them when I was a young lad. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that really... Is it builds the excitement because they're, they're huge buildings and it looks kind of like a fantasy world, you know, through the eyes of a child. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an adult child. So, uh, <laughs> but for my son, it must have just been awesome. And then you, you the gate experience was very easy, right? It's security check in. And then there's a big kind of open area with the huge arch and Legoland and big letters. So bright colors. Every, you know, Legos are really bright. And they're colorful so bright colors flowers to to match the and and fill the experience and then just a bunch of places for you to take pictures and then you go to the ticket booth and it creates such an open space that you like i never felt packed and cluttered and you you know for from a kid's perspective if i kind of put that lens on for a second from my son's perspective i think there's an imagination Factor there that that allows for that to build because he's not worried about all these other people around it. There's so much open space that it gives him the ability to, you know, experience the space without feeling pressured or, you know, having parents go like, oh, no, come over here, come over here and hold hold your kid tight
2: because Mm -hmm. there is so much space. So I'm comparing, contrasting. Okay. I've been. I went to Legoland. Nothing um, like Disney. Well, I was. I was going to say, I went to Legoland years and years ago. Maybe the first two to three years they were open when the the boys were small. So the hotels and stuff weren't there yet. But I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I, and I remember walking in, and you know, like you said, most theme parks rock this, where like the approach, the the kind of winding walkway to even get to the ticket booth. There's, you know, huge things made out of Legos. that right. are like super glued together so they'll withstand Florida oh. summer. So, you know, <laughs> right. but, you know, compare and contrast to Disney, we're, like I remember the first time we took Andrew to Disney and you really literally like herded like cattle onto the ferry. Yep. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> you know, I felt like I was going, you know, with me and 800 of my, you know, non-closest friends. <laughs> 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 and it, it was... It's a. It's funny. I'd never thought about this before, but it's a very different experience because even after you get through, and, and part of it is just the volume that happens at right. Magic Kingdom. But Legoland is very popular as well. But even then you get through the ticket area, you get, you kind of walk under the train tracks, you and then you walk into that like town square and it's still just like wall to wall people. And then they squeeze you down this little <laughs> funnel into Main Street. And it is a, it's, sensory overload yeah. for the kids. And it is, you know, for parents, I, you know, I don't know if say claustrophobic, but it's, it's just a, well, it's,
3: it's a it, totally different it
2: provides experience. you with an
1: insecure feeling, especially if you have young children. And I'd, I'd say that's probably maybe a variable that is different between Legoland and Disney. Like Disney, you have adult people like, who love Disney and they go there every weekend. And so you're, you're not just trying to cater to that crowd, but you also have little small children. Yeah that are being brought to the happiest place on earth for the first time. So they are dealing with different variables and Legoland is probably serving much more of the younger, de- they're they're serving the younger demographic. They have, yeah, for sure.
2: Legoland is, is in a sense, in a, in a really strong sense, one of the best examples we could point to of a large business that chose their niche and didn't deviate from it. Because, yeah. like you said with Magic Kingdom, you know, you've got the retirees, you know, exactly. and they know every nook and cranny because they're there every weekend and they moved to Orlando, like they retired to Orlando so they could be close to Disney. And when we took the boys, I didn't know what to expect. I was expecting uh, like a Disney light experience, a smaller theme park, newer, but but much smaller. And the thing that stuck out every single ride applied to them. Like none of the rides were built for me. Absolutely none of them. I could get on some of them. Some of them I couldn't because I was an adult and I was too big. But every ride at, I don't know, I think Lance might've been four at the time. and I think every single ride he could get on. And that was really cool. And it it was like, uh, there's this aha moment of like, they don't care about me. (laughs) They care about my kids, which another phrase we've been using a lot about, like care about what your customers care about. Yep right? And it was obvious that Legoland had built an entire park, not for 40-year-olds, but for four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds.
0: Yeah, that's good. And the reason I ask, the reason I think it's important is because that plays so much into the culture and into how the employees are treating the customers. So when you walk in and you see trash everywhere and stuff isn't pristine, stuff isn't wiped down, you're going to have a bad experience. You know, the employees don't really care about this place too much. But when you have the experience that you're talking about, you could tell something's different here. There's something different about the culture. So tell us about the next lesson that you took away from Legoland.
1: Yeah, so this, this was, the lesson is celebrate team wins or delight in employee success. This is a leadership lesson from Legoland. And this is a takeaway I don't think I would have understood five years ago before I started having children. But to Joey's point that he just made is like, Legoland does a great job at serving their target demographic. And there's, there's some nuance to that. And there's a lesson in kind of under the surface lesson that we'll get to a little bit later. But the leadership lesson in celebrating team wins or delighting employee success is that I wouldn't have enjoyed Legoland five years ago. I wouldn't have enjoyed it only as an adult, right? But I enjoyed it because I was able to just watch my son have such a great time. And so f- for me, like I realized how important that is to not only to pour into my son and nurture him and care for him and his development, but the same is true for business leaders that sometimes like you are going to be totally disassociated from the activity that's happening in your business. And not because you're neglectful, but because if, if in the healthiest cases, you've actually given that opportunity to your employees, but you're, you're not you're not removed from the emotion of it. You're not removed from the success. And so I would just encourage you like as a leader to to be looking at the things that your team is doing and delight in them because it's going to be beneficial for their development and their growth. So the lesson is celebrate team wins or delight in employee successes.
3: Yeah. No, I love it. Super practical. Steve, you I was going to say something along those same lines, and it's funny. I was just going to just be a really an observer on this one because I, I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been to Legoland, and my initial experience with Legos as a dad was piercing the the <laughs> my foot, the bottom part of it's my like a,
2: arch, it's like a rite of passage. Oh my yeah.
3: goodness, walking out and stepping on those in the middle of the night to get a you know to to get something, and oh, at first I wasn't a big fan of Legos, but as my boys got older. Seeing what you just said, that customer experience, but as a business side of it, there's so many different similarities that you see with the way they take these complex things, like the the Death Star or the the Millennium Falcon or these cars that they build. But they put it inside of a structure that young kids, four, five, seven, whatever it is, it's a step by step process. And so it allowed me, who didn't have that ability to put things together to do it alongside with my boys and build that experience. So it's almost like from a leadership standpoint on the business side, by having those process, those clearly defined process and steps, it allows the managers to come alongside the employees to engage and build that rapport and then have it be able to build and create things, whatever it is they want to build. Whether it's you know, in just just in the the Lego example, if they want to build the Death Star or the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. it's really a powerful thing because they can you can build confidence, you can be you can just take a step by step process and build something amazing. But doing it together, and one of the other things too that made me think about Legoland when you're talking about Legos with customer experience, there was a story a couple years ago. I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm, I'm not going to give it justice. But there was a kid who was really frustrated. He was building the Death Star. And there was a ton of pieces and was really upset because he was missing some pieces for it. Well, he had sent over to Lego, to corporate, a response saying, I didn't get this this piece. I needed this piece to be able to build this, to complete the Death Star. The customer service from Lego, they sent a response back in Star Wars ease you know and may the may the force be with you and different things but it was such a powerful connector for that the kid and it went viral because again it's knowing what's important to your customers and so when when you're saying what you're saying about Legoland that customer experience that guest experience you see that all the way through whether it's them getting started you know, building these, you know, become these master builders, but then you can do it together with parents or family and friends. But then also that next step is that experience.
0: Yeah, we could, we could go deep on that. We had a lunch and learn yesterday and, and right. Devin talked about customer experience and creating memories. That's, the, that's what Devin was referring to when you mm-hmm. create a memory, treating your customers like that. But I wanna go back to your initial point because it's a perfect segue to yep. the next lesson that Devin took away, incorporating systems and processes that empower your team. Tell us about that. You're probably the only, I'm guessing the only attendee at Legoland in the past year that has walked away and said, I noticed some systems and processes. Well, <laughs> I, I, don't I don't doubt that's
2: the, There are management consultants everywhere with four and five-year-olds. You know, like, <laughs> Had they done a podcast, would we be talking about something similar?
1: I wish I could claim that that I was that bright, but I'm not, I am not a genius. Yeah. So the next the next lesson was incorporate systems and processes that empower your team. And so this isn't necessarily me observing how employees interact and how employees are are functioning at Legoland. This lesson comes from a, a portion of Legoland that is based on their city block series. And so their city blocks, you can have like police cars and firefighters, and like it's just you can build a city. But in this section of the theme park, they had rides and there were fire truck rides. They were they had like a a Ford. Ford obviously sponsored it, but it was like car experience. And so the cool thing about this was they had an like a grown-up kid version where you could drive go-karts. But then they also had smaller versions for my son who's three years old and he he's never driven anything in his life except maybe like an electronic little four-wheeler in a field. And so he, goes, he gets into this, this opportunity to go interact and just drive a car for the first time. And so this block series is just this idea of doing, you know, creating something, creating a system, right? A closed system where there's a gate, there's a track, the cars go like half a mile an hour, and it empowered my son. It really gives him the opportunity to grow and advance and learn and experience new things. And so I think this goes without saying in some cases, but if you're a business leader who's listening to this, like, and you're still wearing the sales hat and you're still wearing the office administrator hat or the field supervisor hat, like we just, we, we stop and encourage you to work with the existing leaders on your team to figure out how to make it easier for them and their subordinates to do their job. And, and one of the ways to do that is incorporating systems that empowers them. And then Joey mentioned this, Cameron mentioned this, and Steve has. But as of this recording, we're one day after our, our lunch and learn event. And one of the takeaways of of this event was, you know, it was it was an event focused on the recession. But one of the focuses was we are in any season, but especially during slow seasons in your business, you have immense opportunity to start building and incorporating those systems and, and building those processes that actually empower your team. And so, I think maybe in that portion of our lunch and learn. And another takeaway that applies here is if this lesson is, is resonating with you to incorporate systems and, and build processes or buy softwares that are going to empower your team, don't do this alone, right? Go talk to your leaders, go talk to your field supervisors and ask them, Hey, like, be honest, I'm wearing the sales hat. I don't want to wear the sales hat anymore. Like what, what do we need to do to be better salesmen.
2: I like the analogy. You used a word, we said the gate, right? The gate that he went through. And this is common at like theme parks for the small kids. There'll be a place like Bush Gardens has this as well. It's like a kid zone. There's one entrance in, there's one entrance out, right? So the parents can kind of park themselves at the entrance and like, go do your thing, you know, four-year-old or five-year-old, or or in my case, 14-year-old, Yeah, (laughs) boys still enjoy some of that stuff. But Think of systems and processes as the gated area, you know, the safe area. And we hear we were talking about this recently, like culture of accountability. Like yep. that's not, that's kind of a common those three words, culture of accountability. We probably hear from business owners with more frequency, especially like new business owners. We're start, we're starting to work with like, what are you looking to accomplish? What is what are you frustrated by? Like, oh, I just want a culture of accountability. And one of the things that that you're looking for is I want people to do what I tell them to do, or I want people to do what I expect them to do. When there's a whole there's a whole other podcast we could unwrap here. But when I think if they, if they got that today, if, they, if we said, okay, everybody's automatically going to do what you tell them to do. You just have to tell them everything to do. Then they would be frustrated in a different way and be like, I want people to think for themselves. And then that's where we get to this idea of the gate. Right? The systems and processes that you put in your business are like that gate and that walled protective space where you can just let your employees run wild. And if you go to a place, I've used this analogy before, or not analogy, it's not an analogy, it's a literal case. If you take kids, I would take my kids to a playground when they were small and you know i'd have to tell them stop climbing the fence right cuz they're at every nook and cranny every corner they're using the entire playground but we moved into this neighborhood and we have these huge soccer fields and huge baseball fields and trails and and i would take them there i could take them to the baseball field and expecting them you know i'm going to have to be pulling them out of the woods cuz there's no fence around it right it's just this big open field with a baseball diamond and a backstop and they'd hang out at home plate the whole time right and, and uh, because they didn't have that safe space to play in, and as businesses, you know, if you create the systems and processes that you you want them to follow, and then say, "Go hog wild, use your creativity, use your imagination." And that's one of the other things that I notice in theme parks. I think I used this example when we did the Disney episode of the guy who's sweeping the street. You know, and so the expectation was, you know, keep the, keep the sidewalks clean, but the other expectation was look for opportunities to delight customers, to create memories. So he sees a family coming off a ride and they're just ecstatic, Thunder Mountain Railroad. And they're just, they'd had so much fun. And he's like, do you want to go again? I can make that happen. And I was like, and they declined. You know, they were kind of like, oh, I don't know. But it was like one of those things where they've given him freedom to go hog wild within the systems and processes they have. And what they're getting is something that his supervisor would have probably never thought of. Like there was never part of a training manual that said, be on the lookout for people who are from another country who've just had the time of their life and are talking in a foreign language and you go up and try to communicate with them and, th- and get them back on the ride again. Yeah. But he was able to see that and, and do it on his own.
0: Empowering your team is one of our leadership affirmations. That's okay. good. Okay, so the next takeaway you have is controversial. So I'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> well, some, some of it is controversial. The The main kind of, there's two takeaways here the main one, and then like a sub point, which might be a little bit controversial.
0: You have gasp
1: in asterisks, yeah, I so, so I took that as controversial. So that's the sub point. Anyway, <laughs> the, the next point is support partners to incentivize buy-in. And so this lesson came from, we've kind of already touched around this topic, but it, it is the unique difference between, I think, Legoland and Disney, is Legoland is not trying to cater to to a broad demographic. They literally are trying to cater to kids. But I'm telling you, they could not do that if they weren't willing to cater to parent needs. They didn't design the park for, for making parents happy and you know having a good time. They designed the park for kids to have a good time, but they've created, maybe again, they've created the, the structures to, to cater to parents and allow that to happen. So Legoland eliminated the barriers that might otherwise prevent parents from allowing their kids to enjoy the park, to say it a different way. So for example, it was a hot summer day, like mid-July, I think is when we went. And it was it felt like it must have been 115 degrees. And it the was. park. It, it probably <laughs> was. Yeah. So the park was shaded and there were, you know, there were ample places to sit and rest and relax. But like by two o'clock in the afternoon, even our kids are kind of like, Daddy, hold me, you know, I won't carry me or whatever. So we asked, Hey, is there an indoor playground? Like, is there a place with AC? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah we have a couple of them throughout the park you can go here, there or here. And so they have spaces and they're not, they're not packed. You'd expect this indoor place to be packed, but it wasn't, it was an indoor playground and with a nursery. So this is key with a the nursery. There was air conditioning, had a play set in it, like a gym in it. It had a couple of slides. And then they even had a stage where an employee, a member would do like a presentation or a lesson on Lego, like a build session periodically at set times throughout the day. But it was the coolest thing was the fact that this place had a nursery and you walk in and you're like, you'd never expect it. And there's an attendant there waiting and just literally just on standby to answer any questions. And I, you know, my son had to go to the bathroom. So I was like, Hey, is there a bathroom? She's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Just through those doors. So I walked through the doors and there's like a whole nother section of this building that is specifically for moms with young infants Hmm. where they can put them down for a nap they could rock them in in rockers like if you're a breastfeeding mom and so yeah they have this whole nother section to this playground that's behind a closed door and it provides these small intimate quiet spaces for women who who might have young infants where they can care for them in in a private manner right put them down for naps Feed them whatever, uh, changing tables. It was just really, it was really a unique experience that I never expected. So, and you can imagine that would be really important for for growing families. And this is this kind of this, I think, a real life a business example. Cameron, I don't, I don't know if you feel comfortable speaking to this kind of off the cuff.
2: <laughs> He's uh, gonna have to now. Yeah, <laughs> it's not in my show notes,
1: but I, I I have some other notes to help through talking points. But support partners to incentivize buy-in. You have a client who is in the construction, a home building business that has kind of owned this idea, knowing that they need their trade partners in order to be able to support the the work that's happening to make not the subcontractors happy necessarily, but to make the end user, the homeowner happy. So, you know, that I think you don't have to speak to, I guess I just did, but we see that in in construction and contracting businesses where your end user might not be, it's not your subcontractor, but you need to incentivize, create incentives in and support for your partners, your, your trades, in order to make that end, end experience really magical for that customer. So I want, I don't want to move on from there yet because we have the sub point and another kind of area that this supporting partners to incentivize buy-in showed probably the most, was most explicitly seen was that when it came to Legoland, like every other theme park that I've ever been to, seriously, ever been to Bush Gardens, Islands of Adventure, Universal, whatever it is what is the one thing that you are always looking for on a hot summer day and beer (laughs) and drinks for the kids? Oh yeah. Right. So (laughs) I, I, maybe I'm, I'm kind of blowing this way out of proportion, but every time I've been to a theme park, you have to wait in line. You have to unscrew your cup. You have to give it to the, you know, the, the attendant and you have to wait for them. You know, they ask you what you want to drink. Right. And sometimes the lines are like 10 people long and no matter where you go, it, it always seems
2: like you have to wait for this experience you, to happen, you have, right? This is like the the aha moment cuz you're right. Everywhere else I go, I have to get my own drink. Well, like, ex- until I go to a theme park and then I and then I have to wait on a a 19-year-old to yes. So Legoland has mastered this. And
1: I know that I know that they're losing money on this, okay? And I think they know that they're losing money on this, but all throughout the park, I kid you not—you probably could not go 75 feet without seeing one of these Coca-Cola freestyle stations. That there were two of them, and it was just a small little bar area. But you could you could buy a souvenir cup, or you, you know they let you bring in water bottles, and you could fill up unlimited refills all day. If you bought one, it was like 20 bucks. If you bought two of these souvenir cups, it was like 17 bucks. And if you bought three of them, it was 13 bucks. So, but there's no attendant at the
2: station, right? And so no matter like it just- So how many 16-year-old older siblings did you see with their mouth underneath the fountain? (laughs) Zero, (laughs) zero,
1: none. And, And so some of this is, I think if you do buy the cup, there's like a little sensor on the machine that you can only use so every so often right so we imagine that you know if somebody really wants to work hard they could drink a 60 (laughs) souvenir cup worth of coke in 20 minutes there's an
2: rfid tag that's also tracking whether they went to the restroom or not and you know if there's no bathroom visit there's no refill so that rabbit trail aside it
1: was it was such a great experience though because like it's hot your kids want you to carry them oh and by the way daddy i want to drink okay, let's go wait in line for 30 minutes to get a drink. Like, that's just ridiculous. But Legoland said, no, we're not going to have that. Let's just amp up the number of freestyle stations we got. You can get water and ice. And we never were thirsty. I never heard my kid complain about being thirsty or needing water or anything like that because it was just always there. And so this is where the controversial topic comes in because I think the other sub-lesson here is restructure or eliminate staffing when automation and self-serve allows. And the reason I say that is because, you know, in some parks, yeah, they have popcorn and other goods that you can buy at these stations. So they're not just serving drinks, but that staff attendant is, I mean, getting paid $15 an hour. And so you either have to, as a business, jack up the prices of your good, your Cokes and your popcorns and your snacks, or you can make it affordable for families to do that and just have self-service there for, for something that really does not acquire, like, you're not hiring out of college to to get somebody to run that stand, yeah. and it's and I think too like this is not a bad thing. I know there's a lot of controversy around automation and you know replacing people with robots, and that is a whole. We could do a whole another podcast on that topic, but what I'm saying is like eliminate unnecessary expenses where you can get the customer to do it right, and, I, and in a way that the, nowadays it's not the customer's not going. Wow, oh, I can't believe they're making me do this myself. Like no, it's. It's yeah, actually empowering.
2: I, I think Legoland knows knows what their product is, right? So their product is not selling Coke. Their product is selling an experience. Yeah. So if that's your product, that fifteen dollars an hour goes not into having an attendant behind a counter. It goes into having you know, that same 19 year old goes through an intensive four week training and how to build the death star and then stands on the stage you're talking about earlier and teaches little kids how to do cool things with Legos. Right. And so I think knowing what your product is and, and if we look at other businesses, you can see this where we, you know, you're trying to make pennies and you're passing up dollars. Yeah. And, and it's, so it's not just about spending, but it's about where you're trying to make the money. And, you could be spending an inordinate amount of time, effort, and energy trying to move things or or sweating the lack of profits on different things that are that are going like I don't know if anybody at Legoland is really sweating the lost opportunity cost on coca cola profits by offering cheaper all day refills right. and so now I'll give you a def- a different example when we talk about automation, like where is the where is the controversy in this? If you go, if you've walked into a Walmart anytime in the last two to three years, you've noticed a major overhaul in the front of the in the front of the store. Where if you go into a Walmart super center that may have had 20 to 30 checkout lanes, I mean they're massive. They cover the entire front of the store. And you walk into one today, regardless of the time of day. There's only going to be two of them open. One's going to be at the very far end of the store where the groceries are. And the only reason that that's there is because they have to have an attendant for alcohol purchases. The other one's going to be in the very middle of the store. And the only reason that one's there is because they have to have an attendant for tobacco purchases. Every other aisle is closed. And in in their place are now eight to 10 self-checkout terminals, right? But Walmart is being consistent the same way that Legoland is being consistent. Legoland's product is experience. Walmart's product is cheap prices. Right. So Walmart is, is basically changing their operation and taking advantage of technology so they can make a better product. Yep. So they're taking all the money they used to pay in salaries and they're plugging it back into discounts on, on items. Now, again... Anybody, there's there's a million ways to pick apart every podcast. As soon as we mention a brand name or or you know <laughs> a, a retail industry giant, so lots of people can be like, oh, Walmart's evil, or you know, you, there's no justification for cutting jobs. Pick it apart if you want, but they are being consistent, right? And I I love the illustration at Legoland. They know what their product is, yeah. and they're not going to you know, let's as business owners, let's not try to squeeze dollars out of every single thing we do. Unless it's your main product. Yep. Cause I guarantee you they're paying a lot of attention to ticket prices.
0: Yep. Yep. And and you mentioned it a second ago, they're focusing more on creating the customer experience, creating the memory. So they're more, they're more worried about building an environment that's going to provide memories than they are about having someone who's gonna hand you a Coke. So Devin, talk to us a little about that. I know Steve mentioned it about that yep. story. That was great. Yep. Uh, but it sounds like you also experienced that while you were there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so great customer service. This also comes from our lunch and learn yesterday. So, great customer service creates memories, not just experiences. So there's a lot of ways that Legoland did this, but there's one that I have actual tangible evidence for, and it's sitting on my refrigerator. And we get to Legoland, and we've been there for maybe 30 minutes, and we go into this cafe because uh, I love coffee. And they have a place where you can look at Lego through the years. So they have the original blocks, the original wooden blocks that the the founder of Lego, his name uh, I can't retrieve it right now.
2: You'd be surprised if you can even pronounce it. It's, it's probably, probably Danish. Danish. Yeah. <laughs> created.
1: I want to say it was like know, not going to talk. <laughs> Sven. Uh,
2: Sven. So
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, you you go into this, and there's a video of how Legoland was created, and. Then there's this area where you can look at these mini, like kind of mini Lego lands, parks that show all of the, the brands and, and maybe the, the labels that they use. So the city, the Harry Potter, the Hogwarts, whatever. So we're walking through this little area. There's another little place where you can take six Lego blocks and you can stack them any which way you want. And you fill out a card and you put your name on it and you put it on this wall, uh, which was really cool because I don't know if you know this, but if you have six four by two lego blocks there's like 16 million or billion there's a lot of combinations no way it's yes. a billion uh, it, it I think might be 16 million okay. but it's still a ton with of, six with with yes with six right. four by two lego blocks joe's gonna do the math in his head. Math in <laughs> head. No, no,
2: no. i'm gonna go gonna go into one of my kids rooms and i'm pulling out six four by two lego blocks and we're gonna we're going to start challenging ourselves to whittle <laughs> down the number.
1: It, and, and you see this wall of different creations. That's and pretty cool. That people have. So, right, so that was cool. It's not a memory necessarily,
2: but it is definitely an experience. You're there. telling us about it, so obviously you remember it. Yeah. So it qualifies as a memory. There
1: you go. So, But the next thing was they have this area where they have the minis, right? So Lego has started to capture on a secondary market of collecting their little miniature figurines, right? So not even-
2: Oh, the little guy, little, the little, little spaceman man and stuff? Yes, yeah. Oh, so not no even gosh. the
1: whole projects, but just these little mini figures. And there's like, there's probably 200 of them just behind this glass case. And so I'm looking at my son, I'm like, oh, look, at that one's cool. And a, co- a worker comes by and she was like, oh, would you like to trade one in? I was like, what? So this this comes because dad didn't know better. You can actually bring- anybody can bring their mini figures and any park employee has on their name tag, like four or five other mini figures. And you can mix and match and trade in combination. It doesn't matter hmm. how damaged the Lego is. It doesn't, nothing.
2: Can I take the head of that guy and trade you the head of my guy? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yes. And so I said, oh, I I get like, a well, Frankenstein Lego. <laughs>
1: right. So dad, like I wasn't trying to fish here, but dad's like, oh, we'll, we'll go to the store and we'll get you a little mini Lego figure. And If you, if you like another one that you Uh, see. Oh, you
2: went for the sympathy play.
1: I did not. I just, I didn't even look at her. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. But it's a memory. And she said, oh, here, which one would you like? She opened the glass door and Joel picked, my my son Joel picked out the Lego that he wanted. And now it is on a little magnet sitting on a refrigerator, Mm -hmm. right? Because this young lady said, right? Lego has empowered her to create a memory, not just an experience. Mm -hmm. So, look for those opportunities to really just delight your customers. Like I I told my wife, I said, I'm not going back to Legoland unless you three come with me because (laughs) like you guys need to experience and enjoy this place. Yeah.
0: This is a side note to that, but I heard on the radio, on the, on the joy FM a couple weeks ago, they're now allowing you to customize and build your own that look like you and you can order it. And it's like $10. So we have nieces and nephews. So like, Chailey, we got it figured out. We got <laughs> Christmas right. covered. We're good to go. There you go. All right. And so the last point, and, and we'll start to close with this. I want you to talk about capitalizing and profiting from waste. I know where you're going with this one. So I'm excited for you to share it. And then I want to share some financials after this with the company that I, I think are fascinating. But tell us about that waste part.
1: Yeah. So capitalizing on, on and profiting from waste. So I might be stretching here, guys. I'm not, not going to lie. But Legoland doubles the impact of its dollar. With its premium parking so here's what i mean on the one hand they get paid for premium premium parking spots which isn't a new concept right they are closer to the park you don't have to walk as far if you have a lot of children like that could be worth it except that these parking spots are covered with solar panels so think of every parking lot in the world that is massive and you're like this is a complete waste of space right not for the business but just for the earth, right? I'm, I'm going to go down that road for a second. Legoland has said, okay, well, we, we're going to have premium parking. How do we make it more premium than just closer? Well, let's not just cover it with, with you know, aluminum or metal awnings. Let's put solar panels on it. And so they invested in those solar panels, which now on the second hand are generating enough power to, to provide electricity for the entire Legoland hotel, which sits on the property. Really? Mm. And not that's only a that. a lot of
2: solar panels. But
1: it's great for the environment, right? Like, yes, the, there's asphalt and all that. But now they're, they're, in a sense, off the grid for this Legoland hotel. Because it literally powers everything.
2: So they guilt you into buying premium parking that's also great for the environment.
1: No, they don't guilt you into doing it like, at <laughs> they all. They should be. Like They're
2: missing a sales marketing opportunity here. Like, do you know that well, you're going to be parking under a solar panel before you have the opportunity to buy premium parking?
1: So if you are a Legoland executive and you're listening to this, you heard it here first, <laughs> you should just cover your entire parking lot with solar panels and then you should start crediting out that electricity and create your own separate stream of income by... Farming out that electricity to other area businesses.
0: Joe, Joey, did you lie to Devin at one point about how big our audience is on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> As far as I know, it's just our moms yeah, at this I just, point. I
2: just told him to dream big. Dream
0: big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's jump into the financials of Legoland because I think this is very fascinating. So. They're a Danish company, so their, their numbers here are in the Danish kronen. which to give you the math is one Danish kronen is equal to 0.14 US dollars. So back in 2005, the business was, the annual revenue for Lego Group was 6.3 billion Danish kronen, which is equal to about 850 million. So that's 2005. 2020, 43 billion Danish kronen that's almost 7 billion US dollars. So, they have been crushing it over the last 15-20 years. And then when we get into their actual financials, take a guess, take a wild guess, Joey. What is their operating profit margins? Well, you're making
2: me guess, which means they're going to be astronomical. I know, I high. see you're going to guess high. <laughs> um I mean, 50%.
0: So they're at 31%. But when okay. you're talking 31% operating profit.
2: Yeah, just to give you some context, most of the small businesses that we work with are going to be somewhere between seven, eight, up to maybe 20% in highly, high service industry type businesses are going to be at the higher end of that scale. And the more materials manufacturing type stuff, the lower end of the scale. So 31%, we don't have a client that's anywhere near that. And, it, and this is a multi-billion dollar company.
1: Right, a manufacturing company.
2: Yeah. yeah, Good point. But you know, it's like, it's kind of like Apple, you know, Apple has extreme, extremely high profit margins. They're also a manufacturing company, but they're a technology company, but you know, they sell manufactured goods. Mm -hmm. In both cases, both of these businesses benefit from an incredible brand that's been built by an excellent product over a long number of years. So they're able to charge a premium, you know, that, I don't know what those block. Well, obviously those blocks cost, about 20 you percent know of what you pay for them you know, so' it's, it's a great business, but you get there by doing all the things right that Devins pointed to you know in his experience. I would imagine that if we were able to which would be I mean this is kind of the trip for the kid and me a trip to you know a Lego manufacturing facility and a, a walk through the design center where they're coming up with the concepts for new themes whether it's you know Harry Potter or Top Gun or you know whatever the next Iteration is going to be, I think we would find a lot of these same lessons, you know, in terms of systems and processes that allow employees to be incredibly creative yeah. and get in a wide degree of latitude, celebrating wins, you know, always keeping the customer in, in, the, in the forefront, not sweating things that don't really matter, like Cokes, you know, or, mm-hmm. or not sweat it, you know, I don't know what that looks like in a manufacturing facility, but I would imagine there, given the error rates that you talked about, Devin they probably are at the forefront on the technology spectrum in terms of the equipment that they use to manufacture the goods. So cool company. I mean, it's, it's fun that we're talking about this because I had, I don't know, tons of, Legos. tons of Legos. I had so many that at one point, my mom made this huge, my mom was a sewer and she just took this huge piece of denim and it was about six to seven feet across. It was like a big circle. And she put a drawstring all the, all the way around the edge of it. And so it was a brilliant design because I could plop this thing down in the middle of the living room and there's this huge pile of Legos. And I would make what was in the the instructions once, right? And then I'd never see that thing again, right? And it was just kind of, like I said, the Frankenstein creations that I would make. And then when it was time to clean up, you just pull this you know drawstring up and I look like a Lego hobo you know, with a big <laughs> sack over my shoulder, you know, but so this is fun, and it, it is an extraordinary experience, I would say, like it, for me, I think I'd like to go back with some small kids. I had more fun watching the the little kids and the car ride, oh yeah, you know, that was so much fun just to watch like two and three year olds having a ball mm-hmm. on these little cars. I'd like to go back with small kids because a lot of the things, a lot of the amenities you talked about, we didn't experience. It was too new. Mm-hmm. But for, for, like for the dollar, in terms of delight for the parent and delight for the kids, I think it's, yeah. it's even better than you know, like the, the Disney experience that everybody looks forward to. It's a pretty fascinating place. Agreed.
0: That's good. I'll wrap it up with this. We were guessing on the founder earlier. So his name is... <laughs> Oleg? Ole Kirk but O-L-E, maybe that's Ole. I don't know. (laughs) Ole
2: sounds Spanish.
0: (laughs) We'll go with Old Kirk. I love that name. (laughs) Old Kirk founded the company in 1932 in Denmark, and he was a very humble carpenter, it says. So, wow, what a legacy. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.